Psalm 73, verse 1, God is indeed good to Israel, to those who have pure hearts. But I have nearly lost confidence. My faith was almost gone because I was jealous of the proud when I saw that things go well for the wicked. They do not suffer pain. They are strong and healthy. They do not suffer as other people do. They do not have the troubles that others have. So they wear pride like a necklace and violence like a robe. Their hearts pour out evil and their minds are busy with wicked schemes. They laugh at other people and speak of evil things. They are proud and make plans to oppress others. They speak evil of God in heaven and give arrogant orders to everyone on earth, so that even God's people turn to them and eagerly believe whatever they say. They say, God will not know. The Most High will not find out. That is what the wicked are like. They have plenty and are always getting more. Is it for nothing then that I have kept myself pure and have not committed sin? O God, you have made me suffer all day long. Every morning you've punished me. If I had said such things, I would not be acting as one of your people. I tried to think this problem through, but it was too difficult for me. Until I went into your temple, then I understood what will happen to the wicked. You put them in slippery places and make them fall to destruction. They are instantly destroyed. They go down to a horrible end. They are like a dream that goes away in the morning. When you rouse yourself, O Lord, they disappear. When my thoughts were bitter and my feelings were hurt, I was as stupid as an animal. I did not understand you. Yet I will always stay close to you, and you hold me by the hand. You guide me with your instruction, and at the end you will receive me with honor. What else do I have in heaven but you? And since I have you, what else could I want on earth? My mind and my body may grow weak, but God is my strength. He is all I ever need. Those who abandon you will certainly perish. You will destroy those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, how wonderful to be near God, to find protection with the Sovereign Lord, and to proclaim all that He has done. The writer of Psalm 73 is obviously frustrated with God at one point because everything the writer is experiencing by following God seems to bring about less than that of the wicked. And they really, on the surface, appear to be blessed. Following Jesus was never meant to be easy, and it seems followers of themselves will have success in life to a degree that makes us envious. So staying the course with Jesus is not easy, but it is rewarding. Besides, where else can we go? Like Peter said, John 6, 67, So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So when life for the believer becomes difficult, we need to remember the end. We win. We have the hope of glory with Jesus in eternity. And all we have to do is simply abide with him through this life, and then we graduate into a glorious eternity. That's the hope of the believer who's walking in faith. But to those who oppose God, it's another story. And I once heard this statement that might give a little perspective to the discouraged believer. It said, this world is the only hell a believer will ever experience. And it's the only heaven the unbeliever will ever experience. 1 Samuel 2.9 He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. The word wicked is an interesting word in the original language. It means someone who's guilty or in the wrong. So when we look at the scriptures and the wicked are condemned, we need to remember this is from God's perspective, and therefore their guilt is before God. It's not necessarily just before us. It's before God. It's the way God sees them, and their guilt is brought about by them defying God. When God looks at us, he sees our guilt. He knows. He's omniscient. 
We are guilty before him and him alone, and this is where we are all labeled wicked. Our own wickedness is always before God, and we are all in the same boat. But those who would acknowledge their wicked tendencies rather than acting upon them and would resist the temptation to do what's wrong and do what is right in God's eyes and not man's, we have the opportunity to come before God and have our wickedness declared innocent forever. But the wicked whose penalty has not yet been paid for like ours was paid for on the cross, Jesus took the punishment we deserved so we could get what he deserved, those who have not received that salvation they're not going to stand in judgment. Psalm 1-4, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. When Jesus said in Matthew 7:23, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. We know that Jesus had knowledge of them. Jesus is God. We know that. But he didn't have a relationship with them. That was the emphasis there. I don't have a relationship with you. I don't know you. You're not part of my family. You are not part of me. And because they were outwardly righteous, but inwardly wicked, they thought that their outward righteousness meant they were in right standing with him. To be in right standing with God, you have to be transparent and you have to be submitting to his will and not be dark, pretending to be light. Second Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? Jesus can't have a noble relationship with a person who's not willing to surrender to him. He still knows them and he will still pursue them. He's still willing to forgive them. He's still on their heels saying, hey, why don't you come to me? But in the end, if they're going to remain in their darkness, Jesus is not a partaker in darkness. And in Psalm 1-6 where it says, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. He knows the way of the righteous and the wicked, but the righteous can have fellowship with God. We're part of his family because he is willing to have fellowship with those who love him. 1 John 1-6, but if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So we don't want to be walking in darkness. We all have a tendency of walking in darkness. We have to fight that. That's why being a follower of Jesus is so important. We are constantly around people who have not yet had their wickedness forgiven. And as God has given us his spirit to produce in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, we use these things as we interact with others that the Holy Spirit may touch that person's heart and bring them to a place where they too see their wickedness and see God's goodness and they want God's goodness. That's what being a witness is. We're not just testifying to the truth of Jesus. We are showing people what he produces in us. So it becomes very important that our perspective is one that understands the reason Jesus died on the cross was not just to give nice people something to do on Sunday. Rather, it is the battle plan to defeat the enemies of God with the supernatural power that God has arranged for us to access and use according to his will. He's producing soldiers for his army. And as Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I command you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end. That's a battle plan, to deliver those held hostage by their own wickedness. We are always going to have those who doubt, and I was one of them for a long time. And especially as the end of the age draws nearer, as Peter says in 2 Peter 3.3, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation, which is not true. That was a lie back then. It's a lie now. Things have not continued as they were. Crazy things have happened according to God's word. Verse 5, 
But they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and that the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished, hence the flood of Noah. But by the same word the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. But we do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So time is passing, but God never changes. And because he is not influenced by time, he monitors all history in the same moment. And he sees what's coming next, because from his perspective, outside of time, the thing that is going to come upon us is already happening. He sees it. So he knows who will and will not accept his free gift of forgiveness, but we don't know. That's why we need to love those in this dark world who are in darkness because we never know who is going to accept the Lord. Romans twelve fourteen. bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Why don't we curse people? Simple. Proverbs three thirty three. the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. They're already cursed. They're not children of God yet. And as long as they live in rebellion toward God, they invite the Lord's curse on their house. And I experienced this as an unbeliever, totally. Those who knew me would say, yeah, he's a good guy. But looking back on those years, I now understand the devil had a lot of influence on me and used that influence to tempt me towards destruction. There was definitely a curse on our home that we brought about. So fighting for the souls of the wicked, knowing that their end will really be bad, becomes our mission. But we got to make sure we're using the right weapons. 2 Corinthians 10.4 For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your own obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. As Paul writes this to these believers in Corinthians, he's reminding them, we're on the same team. We're fighting the same war. Our purpose in this life is to glorify God and make him known to this dark world. And we do that by love, not of the flesh. We do that with a divine power that's within us, the Holy Spirit. Thank you.